Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their minds and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This week, we are bringing back Carrie Gibson author of Never Alone in the Darkness, The Shared Journey of Losing a Child. This is a special edition around Mother's Day that we hope that you will enjoy. And we asked Carrie back on the show because of her mission and her desire to help other mothers that have lost a child. Carrie has taken this a step further and is now starting to form a program that will help other mothers, both in person. And she planned to do that not only through her book, but in a, a gathering that was gonna take place up in Rochester, New York this year. However, due to COVID-19 had to be postponed. So we wanted to have her back so that she could share a little bit of her light and let you all know that you are never alone in the darkness if you are the unfortunate mother who has lost a child. We hope you enjoy this special edition. So grab your favorite glass of wine, sit on back and sip away while you listen to this edition with Carrie Gibson. Well, Carrie, welcome back to the show. We're thrilled to have you once again. For people that um, may recognize Carrie Gibson's name, she was on the show back in episode 97. And Carrie has a book called Never Alone. Uh, it is an amazing book. I read it and was just taken aback by all of the wonderful journey that she shared in that that book and Carrie and I were in connection recently talking about something else oh wine of course, of and, course. And, <laughs> and um she mentioned um that she and another woman who I'll, I'll let Carrie explain the details we're going to be hosting an event but that ended up getting canceled because of this whole coronavirus based on other grieving mothers. And so we decided to create this special Mother's Day edition of Wine and Dime and, you know, really pay attention to the appreciation that we have for our mothers, but also for those mothers who are grieving the loss of their child, new or you know, years past. So again, Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming back. Thanks, Amy. Thank you for having me. I do want to let you know that the name of the book is Never Alone in the Darkness. Uh, 
Oh, I didn't finish it, did I? No, I didn't that's okay. Your title. brain was working faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's never alone in the darkness, the shared journey of losing a child. Um, and it's my, it's my story. It's not my son's story. It's my story of losing a child. So, um, but thank you for having me again. It's an amazing book. And I just want to reiterate that because I, I know we talked about it last time about how for you, this was your writing. The book was, um, a way to let people, other people know that they weren't alone, that, there were other people out there grieving. And this was, this was something that was part of your recovery, I guess is the right word process. Yep, my, Although I don't, my journey, my journey. journey. Is, unfortunately, there is no recovery ever. It just, it's, uh, it's a process. But that's step. My husband keeps telling me it's a process. And I'm like, okay, yeah. okay. So, um, but I, I needed to find purpose. I'm a person that's a type A personality and I needed to find purpose for my pain. And in order to do that, I love to write. So I sat down and wrote the book as if somebody was sitting across the table from me having a cup of coffee. I've had so many moms that have bought this book and have reached out to me and said, I feel like I already know you. People I don't even know. It's like, you know, they're sending me messages through Facebook Messenger. And I continue to get these messages and then they Facebook friend me and they want support or they talk to me. And, and that's totally great. That's what I wrote the book for, you know, um, there's strength in numbers, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah. there's truth in that, but. Yeah, there are strength in numbers. And I think when, you know, like somebody like me, I can listen to your journey and I can feel compassion for you, but I don't know what it's like. Right. And, and unfortunately, that's part of why I wrote the book, too, because I wanted moms who hadn't gone through this without imagining themselves in that position or somebody who's never been a mom, which would make it even more difficult to try to relate to a mom. Um, I wanted them to understand what we go through and what we need from you. You know, I mean, if those people that haven't lost someone that's a, well, lost a child because it's completely different from losing anybody else in your life. And um, I wanted them to be able to say, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. Now I know that what to say, not to say, what to do for them. Don't, don't not talk about their child. They want to hear, we want to hear our children's talked about. You know, so and it and it changes friendships and everything. And hopefully this book alleviates a little bit of that discomfort for other people. I think that which is to your point, like that was one of the things that I loved about the book, because I didn't know what to say. Yeah. What not to say. I didn't know. It's not that I wanted to ignore the situation happened, but I didn't know. Do I upset people if I bring that person up or is that, you know, what what am I supposed to do to help um, not make the situation worse, right? It's actually, so. it's actually more upsetting to us if you ignore it. And, mm -hmm. and because then it's like, how come everybody else gets to talk about their children? But then when I talk about my children, everybody gets quiet in a room. Mm -hmm. Or if I mention my child, you can actually see people take a step back because they don't know what to do. And it's not out of hurting you or anything. Nobody ever wants to hurt you. It's just they don't know what to do and they're overcautious. So 
that's why I, one of the reasons I wrote the book to help people feel more comfortable in that uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no right way. There's no wrong way. Cause each person is different, but I think there's some basics that we all feel and every single mother that's lost a child can relate to. At least that's what I'm hearing pretty big from the outside. Um, people in California. I mean, I've heard from people in Ireland, Germany. It's amazing. So I'm, I'm blessed. I'm glad. In Germany. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. Yeah. And, and some of the stuff they send me, I can't read <laughs> because it's in their, their native language, but I, I have to hit the translation button <laughs> in Facebook messenger to understand, but they're beautiful sentiments, you know, and, and as long as it's helping people, I don't care. You know, I just hope that everybody that reads it finds value in it. That's my biggest thing. Well, I found value in it in the sense that, um, that it's, it just helps me know how to properly communicate. Well, good. So that, that was huge to me. So I wanted to, I wanted the reason that we want to do this mother special mother's day edition is Mm -hmm. because as I mentioned before, or um, you and another young woman were talking about creating an event up in Rochester around Mother's Day to support other mothers who are in that same grieving, um, I don't want to say stage, that's such the wrong word, but that same grieving, grieving. process. Yeah, yeah, we're grieving. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a lifelong thing. So <laughs> we're grieving. <laughs> You know, I, you know, I'm so glad we're having this conversation and that you understand that I'm the words that I'm struggling with are coming from a place of love. And, that, you, know, you know, because because I think it's such a hard topic and we never want to say the wrong thing. Right. And when we can have open conversations about this so that when I you know, when I'm struggling with those words and you help me. Like you're helping me understand like what is the right context and the right words. And you know that everything I'm saying is coming from a place of love. It's just, it's so helpful to the rest of the world listening to this mm-hmm. that, that they know then, oh, okay, like that's okay to say, or I shouldn't say that going forward. So first of all, I'm just so thankful that, that you're, you're um, patient with, with me. And as I learn the right phrases and comments to make and and guide me through that process. And when, what I was starting to get into was the fact that you were going to be hosting this event. Tell us a little about the event. I know the coronavirus has put a complete kibosh on it for now. Unfortunately. But tell us us about the event and what it, what you hope it to be and, and you're planning for this. Well, I got together um, in my book. I talk about a woman on page 79 and her name is Nancy McCullough Stabens. She is one of the gifts that I've received through the loss of both of our children. She lost a child. And I talk about her because um, she's a stranger. I did not know her before I lost my child. And she is one of these incredible, amazing human beings that has found her purpose in her pain to make a legacy for her son. Um, she lost her son, Sean. And uh, in, uh, let's see, it was um, 2012, she lost him. And she is one of these women that the December after she lost him, she lost him on 9-11, 2012. And 
the December after she lost him, she decided to start sending out crystal angels that are very small, but they're on like a fish wire. And she sends them out in a bubble wrap and with a letter and welcoming you to the worst club that you could ever possibly in the angel club. Cause no mom ever wants to be part of this club. And I got this thing in the mail, this package in the mail, and it was addressed to the funeral home where my son services were held and they delivered it to my home. Um, And I was floored and every angel has a number. My number was 3,089. That's a lot of angels. She absorbs all the cost for everything, postage, angels, um, bubble wrap, the whole bit. And never asks for a penny from anybody. This is her thing. So when I wrote about it in the book, I tried to take the book to people that had inspired me and helped me through things. And I took her a copy and left it. And she called, we met up, we met together. And then that was back, uh, I believe it's in October. Yes, it was the end of October. And then of 2019. Um, I actually received my angel on the fifth anniversary of her son's death. Now, is that bizarre or what? I mean, the universe putting us together, it, it, we have, we're determined that we've got great things to make happen. <laughs> so um, she called me in December, sent me a message. She sent me a message and said, I, I just have something pulling. I think we need to get together. I think there's something that we're supposed to do. So we, talk to each other. We came up. Goosebumps. I'm sorry. That just gave me goosebumps. It's our boys. We're convinced. This is, this is our boys at work. And my son was a major control freak. So I'm sure he's probably saying this is what they're going to do. And we're going to have to do it one way or the other. But (laughs) so he, um, uh, so anyway, Nancy contacted me and we got together and we decided we were, after talking some time, we decided that we really wanted to put an event together that would bring mothers from all over that have lost children, not to cry on each other's shoulder, but again, I use the same phrase, find strength in the numbers of us Mm -hmm. that there are. And in a non-ecumenical, non-denominational, whatever you want to refer to it as, event that celebrates our children. It doesn't, it's not, I mean, of course there'll be tears. You can't love people as much as we loved our children without there being some tears. But as I also talk about in my book, there's happy tears and there's sad tears. And those would be happy tears. Those would be the tears that we're able to share with other mothers or just say our children's name. You know, um, our, we wanted initially to do something in February, but, um, uh, at that point, Nancy was down in Florida and wouldn't be back for a little bit. And then we ended up saying, you know what, we, because we wanted to reach so many moms from outlying areas. And of course, moms who have lost children are in all different age groups. We, I said, well, why don't we have it in the spring so that people that live out of Rochester area can drive and it's still daylight, yeah. you know, because that is sometimes a, a barrier for many people. Um, I know I don't like to drive at night and, you know, I'm not in my sixties even yet. And I can't see that well at night. So, and Nancy agreed. So then we decided, well, why don't we do it the end of April? So we, um, 
her church that she goes to is Spiritus Christi. It's up here in Rochester. And it's a very progressive, um, welcoming everybody church. And so I said, um, she was going to talk to uh, one of the nuns there, uh, Sister Myra, and talk to her and see if we could all come together. And uh, the three of us could sit down together. We were scheduled to sit down on March 26th, which would be a month ahead, and go through everything. Well, Nancy and I met right before all this Corona stuff started and everything was all set for the 26th. We were going to go in and we decided that we really wanted to call it celebration of chil- of our children. That would be the name of it. Um, we would be advertising on, I found, did some research. I found out that you can advertise on a couple stations free because mm. obviously we're working on a very limited shoestring budget, like zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have your own pocket. Right. So, um, and Nancy's already extended money for the angels to people. And so, you know, of course, and, and it's just, we've talked about food, getting food together and what we would do for like, do we do offer drinks? Do we offer food? But then we thought, you know what? This is a first time thing. We want to make this an ongoing thing. So, because you always have new moms that are coming into this. And when you've been going through the process for so long, maybe just conversing with somebody who's, um, I don't want to use the word stuck, but doesn't know how to put one foot in front of the other each day. Sometimes you can draw off that person that's been doing it for 15 years, as opposed to you've been doing it for two. And sometimes people that have been doing it for 15 may need to draw off of someone else who's been doing it 15, you know, so that not everybody's in the same place. So we thought, well, okay, we could do this like biannually. We could do this annually. So we thought, let's just not do any food for the first one and see how many people we get. Well, I posted it on my face, on my Facebook um, spot for the for the book that I, that we were working on something. I didn't get into detail because I didn't have a date at that time or anything. And you wouldn't believe the response I got. I mean, Mm -hmm. people that are like, uh, let me know. I said, I will post the date, the time here. Um, We're hoping that, you know, it's big that we have enough people that come. If it's too big, because you don't know, you might get too many. You might get not. We might get one. We well, I know we're getting more than one because I know, <laughs> I know probably about twenty five people that are coming. Um, but if it's if it's too big for the facility, we could do it back to back in the same day. You know, just have one one celebration and then do another. Whatever the need is, we'll be able to supply that. Um, that we'll be able to, to feed that need. Um, we also talked about possibly, uh, Nancy has a poem that she likes. I also have a a poem that I like maybe putting it on a piece of paper, laminating it, but we don't know again what, how many people would be there and what the reception is going to be. So we're not kind of, we're not really sure yet at this point. Um, and then of course we were supposed to meet with sister and, it all fell apart. Mm-hmm. So again, this is non-denominational. This is open to mothers. It's not going to be a church, um, mm-hmm. a religious service. As I mean, there might be um, 
a, a prayer at the beginning or the end, but it'll be non-denominational. And because we really didn't want to make it about religion, we wanted to make it all about focus on our kids mm-hmm. and, um, and to celebrate them. Talk about them. Talk, say their name. You're with people that want to hear about your kids as much as they want you to hear about their kids. You know, it's, it's a two-way street. So it's listening and sharing. Um, and then the Corona came up. So we canceled the meeting with sister, which meant automatically, of course, everything's in lockdown till the 15th of May. So at, at this point, so that takes care of the 26th of April that we had planned. So Nancy and I have talked and we're obviously, it's not going to be at this, this springtime. We thought maybe in the fall because um, maybe the beginning of fall or like the beginning of October, because October in 1998, President Reagan um, dedicated the month of October as uh, mothers uh, in, in honor of mothers who have lost children in infancy or um, miscarried. So that would maybe be a time in October to possibly do something then. And then it's before the Christmas holiday, which is very difficult for, you know, the holidays are tough. So, um, you know, it would help get through those, uh, help people get through that as well. And then we thought, well, if that doesn't end up working with the church, with, you know, Spiritus Christi, um, which I'm sure that something would be worked out, but, uh, you know, and of course things come up like this. I mean, I said, well, obviously we were not supposed to do it this right now because um, this coronavirus took over everything. <laughs> but every single person can say that, <laughs> you know, I'm not supposed to walk to my post office, you know, I mean, <laughs> but um, anyway, so that's what our game plan is. And I can tell you that I will post on Facebook. I will let you know when it's going to happen. Um, it's, it's going to happen. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. We were just, we were sidelined. It would have happened, you know, the 26th, (coughs) excuse me, but it, um, you know, it didn't. So I, I mean, because of all the health issues, so we're kind of disappointed, but, um, it doesn't mean it's not going to, it definitely will happen. So when you think about getting this group of women together um, and talking about each of your children, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm listening to you explain this. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about listening to the, like listening to my clients sometimes. And I, I don't want to use the word necessarily brag, but it's a little bit of good bragging um, about their children, uh-huh. right? So you, you, what are they doing? What are they up to? Um, what's been going on in their lives and celebrating Mother's Day or Father's Day or Christmas or any of these things. And I'm, I'm listening to you plan this event and I'm thinking, what's it like for a mother when those days come along (laughs) um mother's day in particular it was probably one of the hardest days for me but my son never spent mother's day 
after he left our house, he never spent Mother's Day with me. He only called me because he worked in the restaurant business. So Mm -hmm. he was working all day on Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. However, I did see him on Mother's Day 2010, uh, or I'm sorry, 20, it was 2012, 2012. I um, graduated with my master's that day on Mother's Day. And on our way back from Utica College, I made my parents who were driving the cars with my husband and I and made them stop at the restaurant because I wanted my son to serve me on Mother's Day. So so we did. We walked in and they said, oh, we don't have any tables. I said, that's okay. Tell tell Jeff his mother was here. And they said, oh, you're Jeff's mother? And I said, yes. They go, wait a minute. They found us a table very quickly. And so I said, he came over and I said, you have to serve your mama today. And he goes, no problem, mom. <laughs> but um, it was my first Mother's Day without without Jeff was tough. I was in Florida. Um, I was, I, I, I wrote about it in the book about how I heard three knocks on my interior wall at 745, which is usually when he called because he would get home from work and on Mother's Day. And at 745, I looked at the clock. And all of a sudden, I was in the house by myself. I heard three loud bangs right after another, like bang, bang, bang. And I was afraid to turn around and look because I didn't know what I was going to see. And I thought I was the only one in the house. It was pouring and lightning. I was in Fort Pierce and it was pouring and thunder and lightning. And I thought, well, it's it's an interior wall because nobody's out banging on the side of my house right now. (laughs) And, And I know it was him. So... I think we look for signs. We look for things that, you know, because I, I'm a true believer that they're never far from us. Um, that's what helps me get through day after day. That and the signs and um, the fact that I have a child who we sit and talk with still about his brother. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. And I think this is hard. This time, this period of sitting in a house is very difficult and not doing anything. This oh my is, gosh. Yeah, yeah. And I can only imagine how I, I really don't know how the people who have lost people to this virus, I can't even begin to speak for how they're dealing with it because you're not with that other, there's no support system except who's in your immediate household. And you know, what do you do? And you haven't been able to end things the way you're supposed to. Um, I, I don't, I pray for them every single night, every night, because those are the people that need the support because you have nothing but time to think and rehash and question and the what ifs. So it's difficult. Um, I think mom, I think Mother's Day becomes tough. I think Christmas becomes tough. Uh family gatherings, any holiday becomes tough. His birthday, you know, um, I, we don't do anything on the day that he passed. We don't focus on that because I would rather focus on his birthday, which was 10 days before. I would rather make that my day of celebration rather than the day that he passed. Yeah. That is not that. So, but again, every mother does things different. You know, some people need that. I don't. Some people, well, the first year, it was so funny. The first year you sit and you go, oh, it's the seventh of the month. It's been this many months. And then on year, when it was year one, and I said, it's been a year, I I consciously decided I'm done. 
There will be no more marking the seventh of each month. I don't care anymore. From now on, the seventh of July will be my brother's birthday only. And that's what it is. And that's the only thing that I will acknowledge on the seventh. Because it, it's it's not fair to my son to sit and think about the worst day of my life when, you know, the best one of the best days of my life was 10 days earlier. So I'll celebrate that day instead. And and we just do happy birthday and, you know, we don't do a cake and all that stuff. I just, it's a day of my memories as a mom. So, but like I said, there's no set plan for getting through holidays. There's no, everybody's different and everybody does their own thing. So um, Mother's Day, hopefully, I would hope that every mother would um, celebrate their child and the fact that their child was one more addition to them being a mother, whether it was your first one or your second or your 10th, you know, um, that child was a gift. So, you know, that made you the mother that made you part of the mother that you are. So that's, that would be my only suggestion. Well, I think you brought up a point that I just want to spend a few minutes talking about if possible too. And that point is that, uh, we are, so we are in such a unique time right now. I feel like I, you know, every podcast just about that I've recorded recently, we've talked about this coronavirus pandemic that has occurred. And when, when we think about the people that, whether it's a flu, a pandemic, uh, unexpected death, the loss of a child, it doesn't, it doesn't, I would say it doesn't matter, it, of course matters, but it, it, there's no difference. Um, in the age of your child? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, like, no, no I, remember, right, I remember my grandmother making the comment when my uncle Keith passed away, I remember her saying, you should never have to bury a child. Yep. And I never under, I, I mean, I, I was old enough to understand it, but I didn't comprehend it, you know? Right. Um, and then I, my great grandmother saw a couple of her children. I mean, she buried a couple of her children before she passed away. And I never really, it wasn't until I think that I read your book, to be honest. Well, I think when I had a really close friend of mine, when her son passed away and I saw how much she was struggling. I mean, she's just struggling. And, uh-huh. you know, and, and I, I saw, like, I, I never saw my grandmother struggle. I never saw my great grandmother struggle. And I think some of that was age, you know, just didn't pay attention to be honest, but this good friend of mine was just struggling and I would sit and I never knew what to say. Like, I'm like, okay, do I say this to you? That, you know, I, I, I wanted to be there for her, but I never, like, I was worried, like, if I said this, is that going to upset her more? And it doesn't seem insensitive. I, I just remember, like, trying to be there, but not knowing how to react. And then I read your book and I'm like, well, I did some good. And I didn't, I did some things that probably weren't, you know, I, you know, but, but I remember her struggling so much. And then, she's the one who actually introduced me to you because I asked her one day, how can I be a good friend for you right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what to do. 
And what did she say? She told me to read your book. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and I'm so glad that she did. And, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful for that because not only did it again, another gift, (laughs) I get to meet you, you know, there's, and, and I didn't even know her until I lost my child. I lost my child first and she lost hers two months after. And I, and we connected because I reached out and said, I told a family member of hers, if you, if you tell her if she needs me, no matter what time I'm here, because, you know, that's, that's tough. I mean, and I was fortunate that I had people that had lost children ahead of me that were friends with my, of me that gave me the same opportunity to reach out to them, which I did some of them, you know, um, and, and like, when do I go back to work? When will I start to feel? And one of my friends said, you don't know, but I will tell you, you were talking about moms and different ages of moms. I just want to point something out. No matter what age, whether it's an adult, a young adult, uh, a toddler, a child, a teenager, or even a, a pregnancy that's, you've lost a baby, or maybe you've delivered a baby and held it for an hour. It doesn't matter because every child has brought joy into a parent's life, no matter what stage that they made you a parent. That child that you lost in miscarriage, you still were a parent for that mm-hmm. child. And, and that child brought more joy to more people than you can even count because everybody's excited when someone's having a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, I don't care who we are. If somebody tells me they're having a baby and I don't even know them, I'm like, oh, when do you do? That's so exciting. You know? So it, that baby brings more joy to, and puts more smiles on more people's faces than some people do in a lifetime. So it doesn't matter. There's always a parent. A parent is a parent. And same with adopting some, I used to say we're umbilically connected to our children. And somebody said, well, what about adopted children? I go, you're umbilically connected to your child through the heart. You know, an umbilical cord extends from anywhere. It's what feeds your child. So you're feeding that child that you're adopting love before it's even in your hands. You know, so and I think people tend to get too literal on, well, you said this or no, look at the big, look at exactly go back and read what I said. And um, I said, there's never any, if you're a parent, you're a parent. I don't care how you got to be a parent. You're still a parent. Some parents are better than other parents, but, <laughs> you know, some people shouldn't be parents, but they're still a parent. So it's, um, you know, I, I don't think that any stage of life makes the grief or the difficulty any less. That's for sure. I, you know, I, I'm very fortunate, uh, you know, that I will get to celebrate Mother's Day with both a mother-in-law and a mother, you know, and my, my grandparents are all, all gone at this stage of my life, but I'm very fortunate to have that, that celebratory event, um, even if it is just a phone call to say Happy Mother's Day. Um, so I feel very blessed by that. Um, and I, I'm sure your your other son feels very blessed by all of the efforts that you make in being a mother. So I have a bit of a, a 
I hope it's an okay question and, sure. and you can tell me if it's not. I, I wonder sometimes, and it's again, it's op- observation, that when you lose a, a child and you have other children, do those other children feel um, less in the spotlight? Do they feel as part of the, you know, is 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 part of your grieving process, which is an ongoing process? Is there a period of time where the pain is so much that the other child sometimes feels shadowed? Well, I'll tell you, I can tell you this that. Again, this is different for every parent because it depends how you deal with it. I was hoping with my book, they would read my son's, the section about my living son and realize mm-hmm. that I, I actually saw somebody that said to me, you need to make sure that your other son is okay. You need to focus and make sure. And from the minute that we found out my, my older son was deceased from that, I mean, I heard it and my, I my brain went in 20 different directions and I was looking like through water, but I knew that I had to find, where is he? Where is he? Where is, you know, and I will tell you to this day, there's many times when that child looks to the sky and says, thanks, Jeff, because I'm clingy, (laughs) Um, not suffocating, but clingy. (laughs) I, I don't, uh, perfect example. This son is going to Washington DC to do grad work. It's supposed to be going in August. Please, God, I hope it happens. But um, he's been accepted, everything else. We've been looking at apartments. And last night, we were looking at some, and I said, where is that? And, of course, in D.C., you have to be a little careful where you live. And he's taking some night courses for grad school. And one of them gets out at 10 minutes to 11. And I said, no, he's not living there. He's not near the metro. He's not living there. He's not walking down the street to that apartment. And, you know, the two of that, my husband and my son look at me like I'm nuts. And my son says, Mom, it's okay. I've walked all over D.C. because he did an internship there um, in D.C. for Tom Reed last January to May. So I'm like, I, I, I said, you're not doing this. He went upstairs and my husband said, you have got to loosen up. <laughs> I can't help it. It's, it's the, it's the protective mode. And my, my husband even says, there will never be a day with another child that you don't think about the other losing the other child. Um, The other child, as far as making them feel like a part of things, we've tried to with our child, because somebody warned me about that, because somebody said, be careful, because they get lost in everything and make sure that child's okay. And I'm so grateful for that advice because I think it's what steered me in the right direction um, and made it him a priority. Um, Of course, my kids were always a priority, but when you're in the middle of grief, there's not a whole, I mean, you feel like you're losing your mind and you don't want, I was kind of almost grateful that he was at college. He went to school like a month, well, six weeks after our first son died, he went to college for his freshman year. So a sophomore year, I guess it was because he went in as a sophomore, but he, you know, he, um, he was away. So, I mean, I talked to him every week, but it wasn't like I had to make sure he was good. I do know that I will tell you that I had, um, a very good friend of our families was kind of like his big brother at college, uh, took care of, made sure he was all right. 
He also was rooming with a roommate from the nearby town that our family knew. So like when he got sick, his roommate called and said, Jack's sick, you know, and I'm like, thank you for calling me because God, he'd never dump anything on me. He kind of, he kind of wanted to, um, he wanted to like distance himself from the stuff because he just couldn't, he couldn't stand to watch everybody crying and hurting. Part of that's a guy, you know, guys don't know how to deal with it. Part of it is they don't want to do anything to make you hurt more. So they walk on eggshells. Everybody's walking on eggshells around you. Um, He went to Morocco after his first year at college for eight weeks. That was the hardest thing I ever did was put him on a plane. We drove to Toronto and put him on a plane. Next to burying my first child, sending Jack to Morocco was the hardest thing I ever had to do. It was less than a year that we had lost his brother. And I stood in Toronto airport. He wasn't even through security and I was a basket case. And I did not sleep one night solid for eight weeks. I mean, I wasn't sending him off to summer camp. He was going to Morocco. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, and here's, here's my child in a time when it's, you know, the environment that we live in in this world. And my strawberry blonde, six foot, skinny as a beanpole, blue eyed child is in the middle of Morocco sticking out like a sore thumb. I was a little nervous. So a little nervous, very nervous. My husband has confessed to me as well that his biggest fear is losing him. So we live in the same, you know, it's, it's just, he doesn't say it. I do. Yeah. You know? Well, and I wonder, um, you know, so I, as a, as, as a child, okay. So I, I'm the traveler of, you know, with the family, like I travel for work a lot. I travel for pleasure. I I'm the traveler. And I've really never given much thought to how my mother thinks about that until <laughs> sitting here listening to you. Uh-huh. So before, I guess as a mom, as your kids grew up, did you ever have those thoughts before? No, was- no, no. I thought the world was their oyster. Go grab it. That was my, that was my feeling. And that was my feeling as a person too, because I was young and I moved and I traveled and I traveled most of my life as a kid. Anyway, I I told you before, my father was in professional baseball. So we moved. So it was no big deal for me to move. I didn't care. And to go travel and go see, I would have jumped on any airplane, (laughs) any train. I'd have gone anywhere, anywhere at all to, you know, Europe, um, Africa, you couldn't pay me to go now. And I don't want my son in certain countries. I, and I know, and here's the worst part. My, my son wants to be work for the state department, U S state department. Mm. Yes. (laughs) And do you think I'm going to have much control? I don't think so. So I know. (laughs) A lot of travel. And he said, I I tell him all the time, I'm going to live in a granny pod in your backyard. And and he says, well, mom, I hope you can enjoy living in Saudi Arabia. I said, you are not going to Saudi Arabia. He goes, mom, if my job says I have to go to Saudi Arabia, I'm like, Jack, just don't tell me where you are. I can't, I won't be able to deal with it. So no, I never, ever, ever had those feelings until, until the loss of Jeff. Never. I would have, I would have put Jeff on a plane and sent him anywhere. 
I would have sent Jack anywhere, either one, but not now. And, and even when, I mean, life hasn't been, you know, smooth for the past 15 years. So Jeff's only been gone three years. So it's like, you know, I would have said, why aren't you going? Go, go to this country, go to that country. Oops. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I would have done that ever, forever. I probably would have wanted to go with them. <laughs> <laughs> so it has affected your life in that way. As yeah. a child um, that might be listening to this, that has a sibling that has passed away, how can they be supportive of their parents in a way that, you know, like you, you don't want your son to travel now, yet at the same time, you don't want to smother Right. Your child, rather. Um, but how can that child be supportive and yet live their lives with curiosity and passion and, you know, continue to develop in a way that if this hadn't happened, your reaction might not be that way? Communication, communication, communication. Because you have to be able you as the grieving parent need to be allow them to talk to you without it becoming about your deceased child. That's number one. For the child, they need to understand that just because mom is dealing with a lot of heartache and may cry a lot, it doesn't mean that the the living child is hurting them. So you have to understand that it's not, it's not that if you go and talk to your mom and say, I, I want to go here, or I, I want to go to Africa. Um, if you want to do that, and they're coming at you with no, then be prepared to have and plan in place a plan that you can sit down and say, this is what I've looked into. This is what I've done. Now, I'm assuming if you want to go do this, this is a child that's, you know, like, adult or 17, if you want to do volunteer work or something through the summer, but talk to your parent as a one-on-one. If you want to do adult things in life, you need to learn how to speak as an adult with your parents. Mm-hmm. And that's all, that's, you know, verbal communication, but you mm-hmm. can't just talk. You have to listen and you have to learn that just because they say, okay, mom, and get up from the table as a parent, you need to say, no, come back here. As hard as it is for you to talk about because your first emotion wells up and the tears come and you're, and you're, it's fear. It's total fear. And I had to sit when he wanted to go to Morocco and told me, called me from school and said he was applying for this thing. I, I, I couldn't even talk. I mean, I'm on the phone going, okay, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. And he was serious and he did all the legwork. He looked into every single thing. He lined up everything. He did all the contacts. He needed money for the deposit. Not a problem. We gave it to him. I knew, I thought this is going to fall through, right? Nope. He was, he went and worked for a human rights organization over there. He didn't know. And the house he stayed in, they did not speak a word of English. Oh my goodness. They they spoke French and Berber, which is um, kind of a cross between French and Arabic. and he speaks French. So he spoke French with them. But 
you know, that, and there were other college kids living in this house with him from all over the United States and Denmark and everything else. He traveled all over. I mean, some of this, I, w- I was a wreck. <laughs> He's traveling all over Morocco on a train. He went to um, Casablanca. He went to uh, Aslad or whatever up by the, the coast. He went up in the mountains to this, uh, like four hours on a train up into the mountains where there's like no civilization except this village of blue and white houses. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> I was a mess. I was like, and then he would, t- he would call me when he was back from those places. So he didn't tell me when he went. He would let me know when he was home, you know, back at his main place, um, telling me where he was at. And I was like, oh, thank God, I didn't know about it. So <laughs> sometimes, but, but if you're going to go somewhere and you're getting the, the pushback from the parents and, you know, make sure you have your money, make sure if you're doing an adult thing, you need to have an adult plan. And that's the best I can tell somebody. Um, and also too, if you're having feelings about the loss of a sibling and you don't know what to do with it, and maybe you don't want to make your mom cry or tell your parents, you need to find an adult, not a friend. I mean, if you want to talk to a girlfriend or boyfriend, that's fine. But you need to find an adult that can if you recognize that if you need the help to get through it, that they can direct you in the right path and to the right resources. Not just say, oh, I'm sorry, you feel that way and hug you. Some people need more than that. And you definitely don't want to be swallowed up into that dark because that is a dark alone place as well. When you don't have people, I'm, my son is fortunate because my husband, as, as horrible as that sounds, the way I say it, my, my son has my husband to draw on because my husband lost a sibling and she was 19 and my son and my husband was 23. So my husband is in a position as a parent and as a sibling. So wow. he can help Jack through. I can't relate to that. The sibling right. part. Right. My husband can. So that's been helpful. That has been a big help. Um, but, you know, and we all get through it. We live. People say, well, are, are you healing? You never heal. You never get over it. You never move on. You move forward. You don't move on. Because moving on indicates you're leaving that person behind. Um, It has made our family tight, tight. My priorities are these other two human beings in my world. I have, obviously, I have siblings and I have parents and nieces and nephews who I love. But at the end of the day, the two people in my household every day are the ones that are the most important. And and, um, before I was, I always put them first, but... My friends have always been top priority. You know, I've, I've tried to mesh everybody into, into one big pot. And unfortunately, I've learned from this, not everybody falls into the same pot. <laughs> you know, we can't have a stew. We're only having the, the meat, potatoes and, and, the, and the vegetable. Um, I, I just... Um, I don't like my foods to touch anyway. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my husband and my son. They're both that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the way they are. <laughs> so, but that's, um, I just, I really, I don't want anybody to get left by the wayside, you know, make sure that you grab on, um, 
and make sure that they, that they're able to talk about their, they want to be, tell them to say your son's name. It's okay to talk about him. You know, like Jack will say sometimes, did Jeff do whatever? And I'm like, and so we talk about that and we laugh. Oh my gosh. The the stories from my son about my son are just, you know, I mean, some of the stuff we just sit and laugh (laughs) because he was a character. So there was never a dull moment with Jeffrey. We called him Captain Chaos because when he walked in our house, it was like a tornado blew in. I mean, (laughs) it was just high energy. And the three of us are not really super high energy. (laughs) He was, he was the high energy. Um, I think, and I think that has, uh, that's one of the things we miss the most. So what we do is we just sit and laugh about certain things. Yeah, Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Carrie, I am thrilled to have you back on the show and Thanks, to hear Amy. all of these wonderful tips and about the event that you guys are putting together. Please keep us posted about that event because I really wanted to, um, you know, I really wanted to make sure that we talked about this. We we honor our mothers in in many ways. Come Mother's Day. But for those mothers that are not that that their child has passed away, this is a particularly hard day for them. Right. And so having you come back on the show and talk about um, what it's like so that once again, they know they're not alone in the darkness mm-hmm. and there's resources that they can reach out to. You've got your Facebook page. The book is awesome. Thank you. Um, been such a wonderful person and you've taken an event in your life that um, is heartbreaking and you are helping so many people in various languages, apparently. Yes. That, <laughs> Who knew? That, you know, I, I believe um, that things in our lives happen to us and we have an obligation to figure out the lesson that we're supposed to learn and crappy things happen to us and good things happen to us. And, and then we're supposed to take that lesson that we learn from those things and figure out God's purpose right. for us. Yes. I have to go through it. And no matter what has happened in my life, mostly on the negative side, like when something negative happens, I, you know, I'll, I'll have that conversation. Um, what am I supposed to learn from this to turn this into a ray of light Yeah. so that, you know, I can help others and you, uh, Nancy and her angels and you and your gift of the book and your website and your personality is your son's gift to the rest of us in, in a way. And I want to just say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart from for being on the show again, for talking about something that I know is not, you know, that is painful to you and, and but helping so many other people by doing it. So thank you once again. Thank you. It doesn't get it doesn't get easier. It gets gentler. And that's definite. But thank you. And, and I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and have a wonderful Mother's Day with your mother and your mother-in-law. I will. Thank you very much. Celebrate them. Yeah. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. 
You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.